Hello, welcome back hey. to our third episode <laughs> in which we're going to talk about the Po River and more specifically um, the drought that yeah. we're seeing. Um, but yeah, let's give a bit of context because for me, the Po River, it's uh, where I was born, where I grew up because I'm from <laughs> Turin. Just giving a bit of background about the host of this podcast. Um, but yeah, no, so the Po River, Virgi, uh, can you tell me which are the regions through which it passes? Oh, Please. God damn, what is it, like a eighth grade quiz? Yeah, <laughs> the geoguids, I used to be super good at them, so let's see. Right, um, so, well, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, you caught me in preparing. Okay, it's in the north of Italy, and it goes from it the west. It goes from the west to the east. Okay. And, and it starts in the Alps, close to Turin, where you're from. Yeah, and it ends up... And it runs all through the north of Italy to mm-hmm. end up in the Adriatic Sea, close to Venice. Yeah, exactly. And I think the seven regions... No, I think it's fine. <laughs> I don't think... We don't need to... No, I think it's okay. But like the most known, known ones are Piedmont, Lombardy... Um, Veneto, Emilia Romagna, um, Tuscany, yeah, so I'm basically okay. saying all of them. But yeah, so um, what's going on? Yeah, I wouldn't have passed that test, but I think I can give you some <laughs> other info that could be of great relevance for listeners, uh-huh. which is that, for example, the water of the Po River is used up mostly in the agricultural sector, by uh-huh. 50%. And then it's it's used for civil society as drinking water for 20%. Mm -hmm. And then there is a part of this which is used for industry. um, That's going to be a 20%. And the rest is is divided between energy production and uh, uh, stock feed. So cattle feed and and, and so on. And what are we seeing now? Like, of course, there's a drought, as we said. Because it hasn't been raining for more, more than, than 110 days. <laughs> and the thing is that it's the recipe for a perfect storm. Because not only it hasn't been raining, but it also hasn't been snowing. Like, mm-hmm. the whole of winter. And the few snow that there has been has already run off due to the increase of temperatures. And this has caused also the lakes to be at the lowest uh, level yet to be documented mm-hmm. so but also when it doesn't snow we have the albedo effect right yeah so that is also bad news for you guys yeah <laughs> now we're gonna make the list of uh, negative of, yeah of horrible things that are going on so basically um the albedo of effect is when um the reflective capacity of certain bodies is diminished and so they absorb more heat than they're able to reflect back into the atmosphere so yeah like in simple words Mm, darker colors absorb more light and they don't reflect it yeah. they absorb it yeah you know when you when you go running and you're wearing all black and you're sweating <laughs> exactly. twice as much as your friend that's wearing white that's the same thing that's happening in the mountains because exactly. it doesn't mean snowing yeah um so yeah so that's what we're seeing and the consequences are of course huge on agriculture and that we have been seeing it for the past months uh but also now we realize we're in a state of emergency, it's official, uh, even for uh, just common citizens like us, because in uh, Lombardy, in certain municipalities, they have restricted the use of water um, to certain hours and certain amounts. Um, but what we really want to talk today is um, why are we here? And I think 
it's mostly of course because it's not raining <laughs> um, but also because we're seeing now that measures are being taken of course because it's an emergency situation mm-hmm. um, but were there measures they could have been taken before da, 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 da. <laughs> but first I think we can I think first we can connect this to um, to a topic which is really interesting to a concept which is really interesting to learn and that applies to this situation and that also explains why it's always hard to regulate. Like the reason why the poor river water has not been regulated maybe in the right way, it's because the poor river is a common poor resource. And that creates something that it's called... The tragedy of the commons. Exactly. So maybe let's just explain what's the tragedy of the commons. Right, yes. So the tragedy of the commons was a concept that was developed developed by the American ecologist... uh, Gareth Hardin, mm-hmm. Gareth Hardin. Basically, it involves the usage of a common pool resource. So it's basically when there's a resource which everyone can use. Mm-hmm. And it is shared among different users and different actors, which have each their own interest at stake, right? Mm-hmm. So the example he was giving when he was talking about it was a grass patch on which many different farmers were allowed to graze their own cattle on without uh, worrying about the state of the grass patch at the end, right? Mm -hmm. So they kept on increasing the number of cattle that was able to graze on it until eventually there was no grass left. Mm -hmm. And I think... So when do we have this tragedy? So you have a resource which is abundant, maybe, uh, on which access cannot be restricted. But the tra- tragedy, of course, when, occurs when the people who are using it maximize their own benefits without thinking about the fact that this resource may deplete or like deliver anymore what it was able to deliver before. So and in, in, in some way, this is what is currently happening in Italy with the Paul River drought. Yeah, because, because we have we many see, stakeholders. We have so many stakeholders, many different actors involved, and we have a resource that runs between different regions, right? So we have Mm -hmm. upstream regions, such as Piemonte and Lombardy, and downstream regions, such as Veneto. Mm -hmm. And the issue with downstream regions is that eventually, if upstream regions use too much resource, Mm -hmm. there is none left at the end. And this is currently what is happening right now. I mean, the the direct effects of this can be seen in Italy right now, because Mm -hmm. there is this phenomena which has hardly ever been seen mm. which is the saline saline wedge mm-hmm. um, where basically we see salt water coming in through the delta up to 30 kilometers upstream and 30 kilometers doesn't sound like a lot you're like hey 30 kilometers of salt water is not a big deal mm-hmm. but the problem is that it then infiltrates in the lower water tables and pollutes in some way the whole irrigation system on which yeah agriculture systems heavily depend on in simple words we have salty water where we're not supposed to have exactly (laughs) so where you're used to oh let me drink a bit of water um no you're not gonna drink it anymore yeah and Um, by the way guys stuff doesn't grow on salt water right yeah so So, yeah we're laughing but it's just because we need to keep um, but it's tragic positive attitude yeah it's tragic it's tragic Uh, it's very tragic (laughs) and it's tragic even more because if we look at Somewhere else where it happened, okay. if we look at the Colorado River, uh, where uh, the drought has been happening for more than 20 years, we don't really see stakeholders coming together and being able to manage the resource effectively. Right? Exactly. So I think there are many lessons that could be drawn from other countries. 
And the Colorado River is a perfect example because mm-hmm. the same thing as what is happening right now in Italy has been going on for almost 20 years, right? So mm-hmm. they haven't had a summer drought. They've had 20 years of drought. Yeah. And But why didn't they manage? Why didn't they manage? So let's give a bit of context first. Mm-hmm. So the Colorado River flows from uh, Colorado. <laughs> Guess mm-hmm. what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> All the way to uh, Southern California, passing through seven different states, just like the seven different regions of Italy you were asking wow. me about. <laughs> just so before. you know the states. So, yeah. next okay. question. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Arizona, which is one of the upstream <coughs> states, consumes up to 70% of the resource, right? Because it has a lot of agricultural land, mm-hmm. and so it needs a lot of water. And the way they decided to solve uh, the emergency state that they had during the drought was to create the Central Arizona Project, which aimed at limit the consumption of water percentage all throughout the stream. Mm-hmm. What is the massive problem that happened? That, that California didn't want to participate. Exactly. And that because they were trying to do it in a governance um, adequate way, Each country had a veto power on the rest. Mm-hmm. So having so many different states and so many different actors, because it's not just the seven states, it's also the federal government, the Native American community, Mexico, who is indirectly related to the mm-hmm. water basin. They had, they had too many people involved and too much veto power one on the other. So there was no effective way to find a solution. Okay, so it didn't work. But then my question is, Why didn't they simply um, proportionally reduce everyone's usage of resources? Like, why didn't everyone decide, okay, let's reduce a bit so that we can manage and deal with this situation? Right. So actually, uh, Colorado River expert and professor John Fleck, we'll link him in the description (laughs) below. Uh actually looked into why didn't it work and how. And according to him, it's because so many different actors were involved and each of them had a different understanding and perception of what was a fair and equitable use of the resource, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just that they weren't willing to find a solution. It was just that so many solutions were were there that in the end, a decentralization, such a decentralized system didn't allow for one solution to be effectively put into place. Yeah, so more than maybe different solutions, different views of what the problem was and potential solutions were. Exactly. Because as you said, California didn't decide to join, but we know that California is super... Okay, of course, there's always the paradox of um, certain countries being pioneers in certain sustainability aspects and not in others, but we know that California is a pioneer in sustainability. But we also know that California is heavily dependent on water exactly, for agriculture. Exactly, so it's like for them, there were other solutions maybe, but it's always based on how you view the problem. For them, maybe sustainability is a big problem, but they're so dependent on water that that's not their exactly. priority. Which I think is why framing is such an important key issue when it comes to resource management. And I think an example of such could be uh, what happened in, uh, you, you know, what happened in um, Cape Town with Day Zero, where mm-hmm. uh, basically... There was like a challenge for, like on social media, who was saving most water. Yeah, because so basically, like, they had also water shortages because, mm-hmm. you know, there was no drought, there was mm-hmm. no rain, there was no snow. But there and... was drought. <laughs> there, was, 
There was drought. And there wasn't rain, yeah. And basically the government imposed some quotas and tariffs. Mm. So uh, there was, of course, a government... Um, top-down top down measure. measure. But at the same time, there was also an individual action. Mm-hmm. And it was due to the fact that everybody was aligned on the emergency state. Something needed to mm-hmm. be done mm-hmm. straight away. Yeah. I mean, it's easier when there's an emergency, but I feel like in all these situations we had it, like in Colorado, it was emergency um, in the Poor River East. But I totally agree that framing is essential. Um, another thing, though, which I think was very vital in the case of uh, Colorado River, and I think it can be also applicable to the Poor River situation, is the lack of a common... Um, no, common ground, yeah, but like a place to come together and actually frame the issue together because there was some collaboration, of course, of governance for states to come together. But then was there an authority in charge of deciding? Yeah, was, was there, there some an overarching with, entity exactly, that was able to of take course, everybody together? Of course, Colorado is not going to enforce a measure on another country because that that's just not fair, according to anyone. But like, country could, could have or like, come together to then mandate, give a mandate to an authority which could have then implemented um, common measures and allocate um, the resource. And also, how, how do you evaluate your idea of fairness, right? So if, mm-hmm. you're at the, if you're in the upstream regions, perhaps to you getting a certain amount of resource would be fair, but then if you actually go and confront it with who is actually downstream, then probably your view would be questioned, right? Because mm-hmm. you would directly understand how much of the resource is actually needed downstream. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem that uh, the Italian authorities are currently trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And for that, um, we have the pleasure today uh, to have our first guest, uh, which is Francesco Bergamasco. And... Um, landowner and farmer in the um, Pianura Padana and he's going to tell us more about what is the situation uh, in the Po River mostly uh, from an ag- agriculture point of view if you can say that so the impact it's having on the agriculture and also what is the policy situation so which are the policy tools that are being implemented and whether they are effective or not. First of all a bit of historical uh, huh? background so uh, I am a farmer in the upper part of in the Po Valley, yes, but in the high part of the Po. So we have all regulations of water from uh, 13th century, century on. So uh, the monks began with all these water channels and then uh, it has gone on every year doing something more and uh, we have um, allowance of water that go back to, the, to, to time for centuries. So the regulations are all one on top of the other. It's a very complicated uh, system. So, so you were mentioning that the system is very complex and is indeed very old. Had a big problem this year because it's a giant network. Right, so it's you a must, capillary network. Yes, it's a capillary network that you must send water from one place to the other. And, but you have local uh, <laughs> resistance, I mean. In the northern part, I mean, the, 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 the Piemonte that has water because it's near to the, to the mountains. You must, uh, we, we get the water from the, from the Piemonte region. And so they try to stop all the water they need and not to give it to us in Lombardy. And that's what our consortium is trying to do and say, no, okay, you have water, you must reduce the water you're consuming to give some 
to the lower part of the consortium. Right. And do you in you turn get complaints from or do you get confronted absolutely. by the we ones have, that are have, down valley from you? We have, well? uh, we have the ones that are down valley who have the rice fields that have, have, are dying and have already had some, some great losses. And the northern part that won't let the water down or will fight not to get the water down. So it's very complicated to regulate. It's all political and it's a big problem this year. This is the first year we have so many problems. So wondering, going back to how the water is regulated between different regions, um, a question that comes um, to mind is, is, is there any overarching organization or power that is able to regulate the basin in its whole, or is it fragmented between regions and municipalities? <clears throat> it, it is fragmented between uh, region and, and cooperatives and, and, and so on. The reason authority was very strong in the past, now it's not so strong, that is, we call it the Magistrato del Po, was a, um, like a super power that regulates all the Po basin. So all the Po and all the, 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 the rivers flowing into the Po, but not regulates the flow of the water for the farms. It's, it's never entered in that. Right, so in what way is the water for the farms regulated? Because as we've mentioned, is in 40% uh, consumed by agriculture, so th there there is no uh, minister that is in charge of regulating. Well, uh, we have um, uh, um, there is a, a rule that it's, it's not so applied this year that you must leave um, the minimum flow. You can leave it for fishes or for all the for the plants and everything who are in the in the in the river. Do you think that the fact that farmers aren't respecting or like stakeholders in general aren't respecting the minimum flow capacity is in some way related to the saline wedge that is entering from the delta? Yes, probably yes, uh, but this is not the only reason. I mean, you've seen on television and so on that the farmers in, in, in the lower part of the Po are uh, pulling water out from the Po to irrigate because that is more important than the salt coming in for them. Right, and so they have a, a short-term mindset. Absolutely, they right. may save their, their crops this year. Right, so coming to a more personal um, question, what are you doing to save uh, your crops or what kind of measures have you, as a farmer, have had to implement? For this year, we are going in, uh, in turns. So I have four days of water and my friend has three, the other one has three, and then it's again me for four. And then and, and we're doing what we will do probably in the winter, we will dig some wells. But to store the water over... No, to pull up the water if you have an exceptional moment. Right. Yes, and have it on top of the soil so it percolates down and, it, and charges again the, 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 the underwater basin. And, and then you can pull it out without disturbing all the other wells, the, the civil wells for, for, for drinking and so on. Because right, so, and looking towards the future, if this is to remain a constant and if this event is to become the future routine and the norm, what kind of practices would you implement to develop sustainable farming given the situation? Well, if this caring situation becomes the normality, we'll have to shift uh, some, uh, some cultures. We have to do more winter crops that don't need any water, like wheat, like uh, barley, because rice in, uh, that is 
the main uh, crop in our area needs water all at once and so does corn so that so we must try to 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 regulate it with the crops not with the, or not with the channels and so on and then i don't know if the climate changes this way we will have to grow peanuts uh, i've already <laughs> tried to grow peanuts and it's but uh, we'll have to adapt to something more uh, resilient know, perhaps resilient. to uh, these sudden changes in temperature and climate because these changes are too quick that is the problem uh, to it is very difficult to adapt to such a quick change uh, system and you must be very very <clears throat> we are very concerned on this because if this is a is a is, is an year of i don't know in 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 a, in a series of years it's exceptional year it's okay i mean that but if we have to 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 use the wells every year and so on and the channels we we built in 500 years are uh, practically useless because there's no more water coming from the lakes from it might be a change here to 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 stay it might be a quicker change than we expected that is the problem so we have to change everything but this is uh, in the long period i don't know if we have time to do that right thank, thank you very much for joining us and thank you for your precious input so um, we may need a wrap up now because we have been seeing the problems we have been seeing the solutions uh, available to reduce our consumption of water, such as shifting to crops which are less water-consuming, as Francesco mentioned, uh, collecting the water from heavy rainfalls so that it doesn't get wasted, um, improve our infrastructure so that water is not lost um, because of the system, because the pipes uh, are not efficient. Um, there are even ways of optimizing the water that is used by farmers uh, in fields. But even though we have all these technical solutions, we still found ourselves unprepared um, to what we're seeing today. Of course, on one end, because that's a very extreme event. But at the same time, uh, according to different experts, it's also a problem of political action. And that's because we did have technical solutions which could have been implemented but they were not there. Um, and that's mostly because, yes, um, there was no urgency to implement them, um, but also in it was never a topic which was high on the agenda, on the political agenda. Um, and that was mostly caused and is, will continue to cause this um, inability for us to mitigate the consequences of uh, the droughts we're seeing. And this is because political action uh, is essential both for mitigation and adaptation to these extreme events. Uh, mitigation is essential because, as we've been saying before, what we're dealing with here is strategy of the commons, and which means political action is required for regions to collaborate because when the resource is scarce and everyone can benefit from it, it's essential for stakeholders to collaborate because, as we have been saying, if regions upstreams just take all the water they can, region downstreams are going to end up without water. So political action is for sure needed uh, at a broader level um, as we need uh, more of an overarching governance which can allow regions to have common guidelines um, to then 
take decisions so that one region doesn't take decisions just thinking about maximizing their own benefits but also thinking about what is going to happen to the regions which um, get the water uh, after them because they're located at the end of the river. And as Francesco has been mentioning to us, uh, there, have, there are and there have been uh, bodies um, which were affecting in uh, allowing regions to come together to, to a forum where they could discuss and understand what would be the best way forward. Um, and one of these bodies is, for example, the ANBI. Um, but we do need to give them more power. These bodies can help, but they do need to have more power and more importance so that they can actually uh, be influential. And on the other end, political action is required for adaptation. And that's because political, the political action we're talking about here is not um, needed only for regions to collaborate when there is an emergency, so when there is a tragedy, as the one we're seeing, um, but also to help them um, be ready to react in the long term. Because what we're seeing right now may be the first of many droughts to come, uh, and therefore regions need to be ready to um, deal with it. And in that sense, political action is required because, as we were saying before, there are the technical solutions, but not all regions are adopting it. We're seeing a, a wide difference between some regions who have been using these solutions and are dealing better with the drought, and others which have not and are now asking for water to those other regions. Um, so it is essential that political action is taken also at the regional level uh, from individual in order to keep the um, topic high on the agenda because of course now it is high because it's an emergency but it needs to remain a priority so that these um, solutions we have can be implemented and regions can actually uh, be independent in uh, dealing with droughts because they will all have the capacity to save as much water as possible without having to uh, ask for it uh, from other regions. So solutions are there, political action is needed both to mitigate what we're seeing at the moment but also to enable regions, specifically farmers, municipalities and all those stakeholders involved with uh, the use of water uh, to react and be able to survive uh, the droughts that are about to come. Um, so if you are a student, a politician, um, a citizen, make sure water remains a priority in your community, in your municipality and in your regional governments or in the government in general and in the political agenda of your country because water is one of the most precious resources we have and we do not want to see another summer like the one we're seeing now in Italy. Um, thank you so much for listening. We hope this was useful. Um, we hope we're all going to be able to push for action and make sure we will be prepared for uh, what climate change is sending our way. And see you in our next episode.